are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7400. You're on the line with Noah Gardner on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Friday, everybody. We have made it. And it's a fun show planned for you guys today. Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC. He'll be on with us at 2.30 p.m. to talk the national championship as well as some college basketball, the early stages of conference play getting started. And then at 3.30, we'll have Jordan Hill of the Opelika Auburn News with us to talk about the latest in Auburn athletics as well as in the high school prep scene as another Friday night in high school basketball gets going with area play on the horizon in the local sphere in high school basketball as well as baseball right around the corner. A lot to talk about on today's show, and we're going to start today's show with, of course, the grand question that many Auburn fans have been avoiding going into Monday night. Who should you root for? Forced to pick a side, who should Auburn fans be rooting for in the national championship on Monday? Nobody wants to answer this question. Of course, everybody with a grin on their face, if you're an Auburn fan, the answer that permeates amongst many fans is the asteroid. You should not root for an asteroid in the national championship on Monday. And the reality is nobody's going to like, or everybody is not going to like the answer to this question. I can't find a single reason on my end, though, to pick Georgia that isn't based out of pettiness. Auburn fans should want Alabama to win on Monday. And I'm going to explain why here throughout this segment. If you disagree with me, call me, 334-321-1390. That'll put you through to the show today. We want to hear from you. Call during the commercial breaks. We'll take your call, and we will get your thoughts throughout the show But I go back to, I can't find a single reason to pick Georgia that isn't based out of pettiness if you're an Auburn fan. Auburn fans should want Alabama to win on Monday. And granted, some of you may not be watching. Some of you may not even care. Some of you may not even want to think about this. But if you are engaged with what is going on television on Monday night in the college football playoff national championship, the reality is the winner of this football game, one of these two teams, if they win, it affects Auburn a little bit more or maybe even a lot more than if the other team does. And that's why I think Auburn fans should want Alabama to win on Monday. It's better that the status quo stays the same. I understand not wanting to do this. It's your biggest rival. Here's the good news. One of these teams will lose. Dan Peck said this on yesterday's show on The Drive. That is the good news. One of these teams will lose. Unfortunately, here's the bad news. One of these teams will win. There could be a lot larger of a fallout with one of these teams winning, and I'm fully convinced that is Georgia. The status quo remains the same if Alabama wins the national championship. 
What is one more trophy to the Alabama trophy case compared to what Auburn's got or anybody else in college football? It's not going to hurt you seeing them win another national championship. You've lived through four, five, six, however many it is over the last decade or so. Honestly, and I probably should, I don't even know how many they have anymore, total, all time. I don't even know. I've quit keeping count. And I'm sure some Alabama fans, no, I'm not. Alabama fans are still keeping count. But the reality is another one does not hurt Auburn anymore. Whereas if Georgia wins one, it could hurt Auburn long term. Auburn and Georgia are at least tied to national championships. So amongst you folks out there, when Georgia comes to town, or if you're going to the Georgia game, or wherever you're engaging with a Georgia fan, Auburn and Georgia are at least tied to national championships. And this may be a little petty, and I'm going to get into better reasons than just this of why Auburn should root for Alabama to win the national championship on Monday. But Auburn and Georgia are at least tied to national championships with two. If Georgia wins another one, you can't make fun of them anymore. You can't make fun of them for their trophy case anymore. The Georgia game rolls around. You'll have nothing over Georgia. When they come and smack talk you about anything, you'll have nothing over them anymore in the football realm. They'll have won a national championship more recently than you. They'll have more national championships. This is not a route that you want to go. So if you just want to talk about pettiness and reasons for picking one of these two teams out of pettiness, that one might be a pretty good reason to still go with Alabama. Because Auburn will have to outscore Alabama national championships by like 16. That's not happening. I'm sorry. At least not over the, over the next 20 years or so. I don't think that's happening. Nick Saban's not going to be at Alabama forever. Let's get into some reasons now why, though, it's a little bit more practical, not petty, why it is more practical for the status quo to remain the same in the SEC and why Auburn fans, it's better for them if Alabama wins. Nick Saban isn't going to be at Alabama forever. When he signed his extension, it set that expiration date with his quote about the extension at about eight years. And granted, that started with this year, so there may be up to seven more years of Nick Saban at Alabama. Will he go the full seven? We don't know. It could be a lot sooner than that. Who's going to be the next dynasty in the SEC when Nick Saban leaves? I don't believe Alabama, just because the odds of that happening in college football with anybody, and Alabama is one of the teams in college football that could do this, but I'm not certain that Alabama will sustain the success that they have had over the last 15 years with their next head coach. There's just not many Nick Sabans out there. Just look at how long it took for Nick Saban to come along in college football to match what Bear Bryant did 40 years earlier. So Nick Saban's not going to be around at Alabama forever, and somebody else is going to come along that is a dynasty. Before Alabama, Florida had a stretch of five years. Before that, LSU had a little bit, subsequently with Nick Saban. USC outside of the Southeastern Conference as well at that time. You go prior to Nick Saban being in the SEC, there was a lot more parity in college football in terms of regions in the country of where teams were dominating at and where national championships were being won. It was three, four-year dynasties, not 15-year dynasties. I think that is what you could see a reversion to if the status quo remains the same right now. Who is going to be the next dynasty in the SEC? It's a lot more likely that Georgia is going to be that next dynasty in the SEC, especially with this national championship if they win it here, than anyone else at the moment. So A&M had a top three recruiting class. 
a number one overall recruiting class. Will they continue to do that on a regular basis, especially with Oklahoma and Texas coming into the SEC? Now, I think A&M is going to recruit better than those two teams on an average basis, and maybe a lot better than those two teams on an average basis. But no longer does Texas A&M hold the fact that they're in the SEC over those two teams anymore from a recruiting standpoint. And those two teams, historically speaking, they're better programs than Texas A&M. They are very much so, if not better, in terms of their facilities and their resources from outside the program. Those are some of the most highly sought-after programs in college football. They're going to win their fair share of recruiting battles against Texas A&M. Now, I think A&M is going to still recruit better than them on average, but I don't expect A&M to finish number one in the SEC on a regular basis, whereas Georgia right now, on a regular basis, they're top three, top four in recruiting nationally, and that's not going anywhere. Right now, the only thing holding Georgia back is that they haven't been able to get past Alabama and win a national championship. If they do, the machine will start. And if you don't believe me, look at what happened with Alabama 15 years ago, and I'll expand on that in a second, but nothing will be holding them back anymore. Nothing will be holding Kirby Smart, who is 46 years old, from winning national championships. Right now, it just may be a brain block for whatever reason, like it took Auburn 20 years or whatever it was to win in Baton Rouge. Those things exist. And this wall that is in front of Georgia that they haven't been able to scale, all of a sudden when they get over it, There's nothing holding this team back anymore, especially when Nick Saban retires. And the way that they're recruiting, the fact that he's 46 and that he's a Georgia alum, Kirby Smart isn't going anywhere. Look at how long Mark Rick was at Georgia, and he wasn't even a Georgia alum. And he didn't win at the level that Kirby Smart is doing right now. Smart is not going anywhere. So with all of those recruiting classes that they've mounted, good luck stopping it. If he wins a national championship, it gets that much harder. Whereas if he doesn't win it, I think there's a little bit more pressure on Kirby Smart to sustain the success that he's got going on right now. Going back to what I said about winning a national championship and what that does to sustain a machine that is recruiting like Georgia is, recruited like Alabama did 15 years ago when Nick Saban started building that culture at Alabama. Humor me for a moment. What happens if Alabama doesn't win the national championship in the 2009 season? I've talked about this a lot on this show in the last year, but what happens? This is a fun little party game to play with Alabama fans to make them appreciate Greg McElroy a little bit more. What if the drive doesn't happen at Jordan-Hare Stadium in 2009 in the Iron Bowl? Let's say it never happens. Let's say it fails. Julio Jones doesn't help them march up and down the field. Let's say Auburn holds on and wins that game. Alabama doesn't go to the national championship. Say Tim Tebow knocks him off in the SEC championship. Say somehow Colt McCoy stays healthy and Texas wins in the national championship game. Say all of that happens. But let's actually look at this as the drive does not occur in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Alabama doesn't make the national championship. The next year, Auburn won the national championship with Cam Newton. Cam Newton was coming to Auburn. So Auburn wins the Natty in 2010. Heck, Alabama had a three-loss season that year. It's evident that the culture hadn't completely set in or that the machine hadn't fully gotten started at that point. Does the machine ever get started if they don't win that national championship in 2009? 2011 had that nasty LSU team, and it's fair to ask the question, with Nick Saban having started his career at Alabama back in 07, if they hadn't won a national championship from 07 through 2010, his first four years, 
Is there a brain block there for them like it is for Kirby Smart that maybe they wouldn't be able to get past that 2011 LSU team? We saw LSU beat them in the regular season, so don't tell me that it's not possible for them to have failed to win that national championship in 2011. Auburn went back again in 2013. Georgia had a really good football team in 2012. I'm just saying that history looks a lot different if they don't win that first national championship back in 2009. And the same can be true about Georgia. If Georgia fails to win this national championship, history may look a lot different. They may go and find a way to win in the future somehow. But you can say, at least it's my belief, that if Georgia fails to win this national championship it is harder for them to sustain what they're doing in the SEC. Look at the fact that they didn't even go to the SEC championship last year. Other teams can sell against Georgia. Somebody else can be a new fad in the Southeastern Conference. Maybe Texas A&M. Someone else can be a new fad in the Southeastern Conference if they can recruit against Georgia and say, look, those guys can't get past Alabama. We can. Look, we just beat them. That could be Auburn, that could be Texas A&M, that could be LSU. LSU just won a national championship in 2019. So when you break it down and you look at it, and Kirby Smart's in a vastly different situation than what Ed Orgeron was at LSU. Don't tell me, oh, well, LSU didn't start a machine when they won the national championship. Ed Orgeron was their head coach. We could see the writing on the wall after all of that talent left that he was going to be fired in two years. I predicted it, and it happened. Kirby Smart is not going to fumble this one away if he wins the national championship. He will be here to stay for a very long time. So you don't need to let him win that first national championship. Coincidentally, though, talking about the drive, and this is something that I thought about at lunch today, and this wasn't good for Auburn to lose the Iron Bowl. Of course, Auburn fans would have loved to have won the Iron Bowl, but here's the reality. Coincidentally, it was a drive this year for Alabama that could save Auburn from the impending doom that is Georgia winning a national championship. So Auburn beats Alabama. They beat their rival. That would be a great thing. It would be awesome to have been in that stadium and have captured that victory over Alabama. But say you know, Auburn does that and they prevent Alabama from making the college football playoff. Who's beating Georgia? Oklahoma State or Baylor wasn't going to do it. And Cincinnati and Michigan certainly weren't either. So Georgia would have been a shoe-in to win the national championship. And then we go back to point A. The machine begins. They have finally gotten over that hump of being able to win a national championship. And so coincidentally, although it was unfortunate that Auburn lost to Alabama in the Iron Bowl from the Auburn fan perspective, if you look at it, this could actually save you from the fact that Georgia wins a national championship, which I think would be the worst thing for Auburn this year. I think that is the worst-case scenario for Auburn in this season is that Georgia won a national championship. There isn't a guarantee that Georgia's recruiting goes anywhere if they lose, but it will be harder to sustain if they continue to fail on the national stage like they have been. If anything, it puts the seeds of doubt inside the program that they can do it. It's already there. Articles have been written about it this week. Scott Bagwell and I talked about it on yesterday's show. Until Georgia beats Alabama, I'm not picking Georgia to win. Alabama, though, has lost national championships and not gone anywhere. And they're not going anywhere until Nick Saban goes somewhere. So Alabama winning another one or Alabama losing this one doesn't really change anything from that perspective. Alabama's still going to be there. You're still going to have to compete against Alabama. They're not going anywhere right now as long as Nick Saban is there. But Kirby Smart changes the status quo if he wins this national championship. Now all of a sudden, you've got to worry about 
two powerhouses in your own backyard that can win national championships or that will have won national championships. And I don't think that's a road that Auburn should want to go down. I think it could really decimate Auburn from a recruiting standpoint. And don't forget to mention that Billy Napier is south in Florida and he's an excellent recruiter himself. So Auburn's pipeline of Alabama, Georgia, Florida is about to get really difficult to recruit. This is the toughest time period in Auburn football history, I think, to recruit for Auburn. Going against your two rivals, best dynasties in the histories of their football programs. Florida below you has an excellent recruiter. And then Clemson, not that far away, two states down the line, they're coming into your own backyard and they're stealing away some of the best recruits. Like Justin Ross. They get in the mix just as well. There's a lot of pressure on Auburn right now, and I think some of it, not all of it, it's, it's definitely not alleviated, but it's not going to be as difficult as it will be if Georgia wins the national championship. Anything can happen. Even if they lose this one, they could win next year. But Auburn and other teams in the Southeastern Conference can at least hold on that someone else in the SEC won't be able to build what Nick Saban built. And I think Georgia is about as close as anybody else in the SEC that has the personnel, the ability to recruit on that consistent basis to where it would be really difficult to, to overcome that, especially after Nick Saban leaves. And Nick Saban's not going anywhere for the next four, five, six, seven years, however long it is. So you really don't want Georgia to also rise to that level as well. And then your two biggest rivals are main pillars in college football. That's why I think Auburn fans should want Alabama to win the national championship. Things don't get tougher if Alabama wins the national championship this year. Things get a lot tougher if Georgia wins the national championship. And you're not going to be able to convince me otherwise. I am staunch on this. It's not like I'm happy that these two teams are playing in the natty, and it's not like I'm happy if you're an Auburn fan that Alabama's in the national championship. I'm just saying it's the lesser of two evils from the Auburn perspective that Alabama wins the natty. And I'm shocked to see how many Auburn fans are like, ah, just I can't root for Alabama the national championship. Oh, so you can root for Georgia? Really? I think they're from the Auburn perspective, they're just as bad. And Georgia winning it makes things a lot tougher from Auburn for Auburn from a recruiting standpoint and from an on the field standpoint. Things change drastically, I think, over time, but Georgia wins it. And, and if you don't believe me, once again, I go back to my example with Alabama. How would history have been different if Alabama didn't win the national championship in 2009? Bad season in his first year in 2007. Lost to Utah in the Sugar Bowl in 2008. Let's say he doesn't win it in 2009. Say he loses to Auburn. The drive doesn't happen. Auburn wins it in 2010. Florida probably, Florida or Texas wins it in 2009. Auburn wins it in 2010. Does LSU win it in 2011? LSU in 2011, I mean, you, you would, Alabama would be one of those contenders that year, but would a block have set in or would the culture have ever taken off for Nick Saban at Alabama if he hadn't won a national championship in one of those first four seasons? That's fair to ask. And for Georgia, we're kind of seeing that play out historically as Kirby Smart's been there since, what, 2016? And they haven't been able to get over the hump and it's just elongated and now they've kind of become a punchline on the national stage in college football. Oh, they just can't get past Alabama. Kirby Smart doesn't win this one. They'll never win one. It's true. I mean, we're seeing it play out. And so I don't think Auburn fans should want Georgia to break through on Monday. I think that would be very bad. And if anything, if you are 
being a if you're basing all of your reasons on pettiness against your against your rivals, which a lot of college football rivalries are built on that, that's fine. If if, if you're going from that perspective, what's one more trophy to the Alabama trophy case as opposed to Georgia now all of a sudden is going to have something on you when that game rolls around? I mean, I am fully convinced that it should be Auburn fans rooting for Alabama on Monday. Let's take a quick break here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Friday edition of On the Line. We've made it to the weekend. Of course, it's the weekend, the calm before the storm of the national championship. Coming up at 2.30, we'll have Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC with us to talk about the national championship game. I just told Auburn fans, if you were forced to pick a side, who should Auburn fans be rooting for in the national championship on Monday if you are engaged with what is going on on Monday night? Or even if you're not, I think there's a clear-cut answer as to who you should be rooting for in the national championship game. But I want to hear your thoughts. 334-321-1390 is the number to call. If you want to call in, call in during the commercial breaks. That's when the phone lines are open. Before we get back to the show, let's take a listen to to the Radio Alabama Sports Minute. I'm Noah Gardner with your Radio Alabama Sports Minute. Auburn landed Texas A&M quarterback Zach Calzada out of the transfer portal on Thursday. Zach Calzada was the backup to Haynes King to start the season, but he took over in the Colorado game, starting 10 games for the Aggies and going 6-4 in those contests. He finished the 2021 season with a 56.1 completion percentage for 2,185 yards, 17 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions. The Sugar Hill Georgia native is a former three-star recruit, rated as the number 20 pro-style quarterback in the 2019 class. Calzada will have three years of eligibility remaining. Other transfer reports, Missouri quarterback Connor Bazelak has committed to play for Indiana. Bazelak will have three years of eligibility remaining. Former Indiana starting quarterback Michael Penix Jr. committed to Washington. Over two seasons as the starting quarterback at Missouri, Bazelak threw for 5,058 yards, 7 yards per attempt, 23 touchdowns, and 17 interceptions while completing 66% of his passes. LSU cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. announced his decision to enter the NFL draft. Draft. Stingley only appeared in three games this season before suffering a season-ending foot injury. Stingley nabbed six interceptions his freshman season, but in the two following years, he came away with zero picks. ESPN's Mel Kuyper has Stingley as the number five overall prospect in the NFL Draft. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's your Radio Alabama Sports Minute. Back live on On the Line, Noah Gardner with you here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number nine, Auburn basketball gearing up for a battle with Florida in Auburn Arena on Saturday at 7 p.m. We're going to give you a scouting report on the Florida Gators. Reminder to everybody, coming up at 2.30, Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC will be joining us in our next segment. You don't, you don't want to miss his thoughts on the national championship game. I'm going to ask him who he thinks Auburn fans should be rooting for. Uh, but once again, I go back to I think the clear-cut answer is Alabama over Georgia if you're an Auburn fan but we want to hear from you once again 334-321-1390 call in during the commercial breaks we'll be happy to hear from you and take your call number nine Auburn basketball preparing for Florida tomorrow in Auburn Arena Saturday night tip at 7 p.m. scouting report on the Florida Gators this is South Carolina but better but Auburn's not on the road they're at home and I'm really confident about Auburn's matchup here against the Gators. 
Offense is not this team's forte. They're ranked 244th nationally in team field goal percentage and 274th nationally in three-point percentage. They're 201st in assists. They don't move the ball well, and they're 151st in points per game, so they're just kind of average. It's a mediocre offense all across the board for Florida. It's kind of like South Carolina, except South Carolina, once again, less talent. They don't have a Colin Castleton on their team in the front court. Defensively, they defend the three-point line well. They hold opponents to just 29% from three. They give Alabama trouble earlier this week in that category. Big reason why Florida held the lead at halftime. Inside the arc is a different story, though. They're ranked just 189th nationally, so middle of the pack, and opponent two-point percentage, despite being 15th nationally in blocks per game. So if they weren't coming away with over five blocks per game, this team's probably even a little bit worse in terms of opponent two-point field goal percentage, I think there's a chance for Auburn to go up against this Florida front court that aside from Colin Castleton, they aren't deep. They don't really have any dudes, like physically imposing guys that I think are going to keep Auburn from getting what they want in terms of getting to the rim and scoring. This is an area that Auburn can exploit. On the flip side, Florida has solid perimeter defense. Similar to the South Carolina game, it'll be important for Auburn to work for good shots and win the battle in the paint. Play the game the right way. Considering they only shot 13 threes against the Gamecocks and for about four-fifths of that game, I thought they played basketball the right way. I trust them to do that here at home more than I would on the road. Additionally, with Auburn playing at home, I feel confident that Auburn will shoot above the percentage that Florida is allowing from from beyond the arc, which is about 28%. So I think Auburn can shoot into the 30s against this Florida team. It doesn't matter how good the defense is against Auburn. When they go into Auburn Arena, Auburn feels really comfortable shooting the basketball. It's important that Auburn plays this game the right way, though. Just like it was against South Carolina, teams like this historically have given Auburn and Bruce Pearl coach teams trouble because they have the green light to shoot threes, and sometimes they just get lazy and they don't work for better shots than a contested three-pointer. But I'm confident that Auburn coming away with that double-digit victory against South Carolina and the fact that they're at home, I'm confident they do that against Florida here at home. I'm confident of a double-digit victory if they take Florida seriously tomorrow night it's a night game they should be amped up excited so I don't think they're going to be looking ahead to Alabama on Tuesday Florida has talent but this is another opportunity for Auburn to make a statement and I think they do I think they win by double digit points over under for me is Auburn win by more or less than 15 I just I've got this feeling that Auburn's going to trounce Florida tomorrow night like the matchup Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC coming up on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. As promised, Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC with us here for the Friday edition of the show, heading into the weekend just prior to the national championship game. Chris, how's it going? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Uh, happy Friday to you. And, uh, yeah, going to be a fun weekend of uh, going into the last college football game of the season. And then we get uh, – well, just a ton of months of just depression after this. <laughs> Here's my question to you about the national championship. And, of course, Georgia's the three-point favorite, at least the last time I checked. ton of articles being written about 
Georgia shouldn't be afraid of this Alabama team if they never win this if they don't win this championship they may never win a national championship what's your broad surface level opinion of this national championship game yeah well that's I mean that's what I've been saying for you know a couple weeks now is if you know like if not now when for Kirby like this is your best uh your most talented team you've ever had it may be the the one you've ever had in the future I mean you may not ever have a group this talented again I know you know say what you want about Stetson Bennett but is George ever going to have a more talented running back room are they ever going to have a more talented tight end are they ever going to have a more talented defensive front like I mean this you're literally talking about the best of the best that George has had uh, in a long time and so you know I just wonder if they can't get over the hump here I talked with an odds maker earlier this morning who's you know completely unbiased he has no uh, skin in the game either way he said just taking the sample size of the entire season and what you've seen from Alabama what you've seen from Georgia he said take the SEC championship game out Georgia's the clearly clearly the better team Georgia has more talent Georgia's more balanced Georgia I mean Georgia absolutely should win this game so if they lose you know yeah part of it is Nick Saban's on the other sideline but I would say if they lose it's probably because Kirby did something wrong he didn't prepare his team well he made a dumb decision in game he you know the, whatever happens this is a decision and this is a game that Kirby is gonna have to live with the rest of his life if they come up on the short end looking outside of that SEC championship game performance is that enough for you to pick Georgia in this game yeah I mean I, I, what I keep saying about that game is Georgia played their worst game of the season Alabama played their best game of the season and what I mean by that is Alabama was not good at protecting uh, Bryce Young in, in the Alabama game. LSU got after him and, and took away the run game uh, against Auburn. We know they had the seven sacks against Alabama. Like the, the Alabama offensive line has been very inconsistent this year. On the flip side, Georgia's defense gets after everybody with the exception of that Alabama game in the SEC title game. So I, I'm, I'm willing to say that that game, that SEC championship game, and look, give Bama credit they showed up that day played their best game of the year but like I'm almost willing to say that that game was an anomaly and you know I feel like I would not be surprised if we come out Monday night and Georgia wins you know let flip the score what was the score in the championship uh, SEC championship 41-24 I would not be surprised if it flips the other way and it's it's Georgia winning big talking about quarterback play in this game how does Georgia offensively how, how does it start for Stetson Bennett well, I mean, what they've got to do is, and what they, like, what I was so surprised with, what they did against Michigan was, they let him throw the ball around. I felt like they were kind of trying to protect them a little bit in the SEC championship game. They weren't throwing as much early, and there was a lot of trying to run the ball and punting and all that. Against Michigan, they said, fling it around. Let's stretch the field. Let's go down, you know, hit your tight end, hit your uh, running back. Let's go. Let's move this offense. And I felt like they kind of took the, the restraints off of Stetson Bennett, and he had a superb game, you know, 300 yards, three touchdowns, you know, ran for 30 yards. So uh, I would say, you know, do that in this game with, with Stetson Bennett. Trust him to make the throws. We know Alabama's had some banged-up guys in their secondary. I would say try to stretch the field and don't try to do this whole, you know, oh, let's get him, let's get his confidence going, let's get some short passes and no get get this offense stretched down the field go get an early lead and uh you know i think Stetson Bennett too many people have thrown the moniker on him of game manager and all this what we don't want to talk
talk about is JT Daniels came back healthy a couple weeks ago. He was banged up. He's been injured. But he was ready to go a couple weeks ago. He was cleared. Stetson Bennett outplayed him. You know, Stetson Bennett took the reins of his job and earned uh, the right to keep it. So, again, I you know, if, if Georgia's going to win this game, Stetson's going to have to make some throws. But, um, you know, I think maybe in the, in the SEC championship game he was trying to do a little bit too much with the two interceptions. But keep in mind, they still consistently drove on Alabama. They consistently went down and got to Bama's red zone. Now they had a turnover on downs. They had a, you know, they had a bunch of different things that they weren't able to punch it in and, and try to make it, uh, you know, one score game there late that they, they had the possibility of doing. But uh, consistently, Stetson Bennett took, took Georgia's offense right up and down the field on Alabama. So, um, again, I, I would just say take the chains off, unleash him, and let him do what he does. Because, again, he's earned it. This is, this is a spot he deserves to be in. Likewise, what's the opportunity or the upside for the Alabama offense that had a lot of success throwing the football against Georgia, but now they're down one man? Yeah, don't get too overconfident. Just because it worked last time, uh, again, Bryce Young has had some moments this year where he's had to panic and he's got to bail out. He's got pressure in his face. And to his credit, in a lot of the games, he was able to stand there in the pocket knowing pressure was coming and delivered those throws. I think not having Jamison Williams or rather not having John Mechie is going to hurt in this game. I thought Cincinnati did a pretty good job of trying to, you know, they almost bracketed Jamison Williams. Like, they kind of said, all right, we'll let you throw the short underneath stuff to him, but we're not letting him kill us downfield. Of course, Ja'Cory Brooks had the big touchdown right before halftime where they caught Cincinnati snapping. But other than that, it was Cameron Latu and, and Shade, uh, or Slade Bolden who, who scored touchdowns, and I just think Georgia's secondary is too good. I think their linebackers are too good to get beat by those guys again. So, yeah, if I'm, if I'm Kirby and I'm Georgia, I'm telling our, our defensive guys up front, you know, Jordan Davis and those guys who were non-existent, zero sacks in the SEC championship game, I want those guys to be more aggressive. I want them to get after it, wreak havoc on the Bama O-line. And then I'm telling my secondary to uh, keep everything underneath. Don't let Jamison Williams or Ja'Cory Brooks get past you. And, uh, I could see Georgia's defense playing much better this time around, but I think we're going to be saying after Monday night, oh man, what happened with the old, with the Bama O-line this time around? Why weren't they able to protect Bryce Young? Why is the Heisman Trophy winner's numbers not as impressive in this game? Speaking with Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC podcast, I talked about this in my first segment of the show today, and from an outsider's perspective now, I want to get your thoughts on this. From the Auburn perspective, who should Auburn fans be rooting for on Monday? Uh, you're rooting for a big hole to open up in the middle of the earth and both teams just to fall in it. Um, no, I, I mean, look, you know, I'm, a, I'm an, SEC, an SEC guy through and through, but I went to LSU, and, you know, when, when Bama was going through the, the phase of winning the championships, you know, it was fun when the SEC was taking turns, right? Like when Florida and Tebow played in it, I think a lot of SEC fans were like, yeah, go get yours. And then LSU wins with Vaseline. Okay, go LSU, and then Bama gets there in 09 with Mark Ingram. Okay, Bama, go ahead. But then when the Bama dominance started rolling, it was like, okay, enough, enough Bama. Let's let some other teams have a chance. And so I think if you're a fan of one of the other 13 SEC teams, you should never be rooting for Alabama. Like, they're consistently getting the number one recruiting class. Saban is showing no signs of slowing down. The only way I could see Saban starting to slow down is if he starts losing a lot more of these championship games. He says, you know what, I've done enough, I've won enough, let me just walk off into the sunset. As long as he keeps playing for winning championships, he's not going anywhere. He will be 85 years old and keep doing this as long as he's there. So 
I think if you're an Auburn fan, as much as it pains you to see Kirby finally break through and win one and Georgia to win one since the 80s, I think you'll let Georgia go ahead and win this one because I just think Alabama, they've already made history. He's already the greatest coach of all time. I get all that. But as long as he keeps winning titles, he ain't going anywhere. So I think for the for the sanity of the rest of the SEC, let Georgia win this one. And uh, hopefully Saban just gets tired of this thing eventually. What's the fear that Georgia or the upside that Georgia could potentially do the same thing with Kirby if they win this national championship? Well, I, I – Look, if Georgia wins it this year, everything I just said earlier, this is their best team that they've had. I wouldn't be necessarily afraid, uh, you know, and there will be articles written, right, and people will start saying, oh, dynasty and all that. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. This might be Kirby's only chance for one. You know, they may not play for another title game again, especially if you're expanding the playoff. You you know, you put 12 teams in there, it's going to make it a lot more difficult to get back because you're going to have to go through a bigger gauntlet of tougher teams to get here. So, yeah, I wouldn't be so concerned if I'm another SEC team that, oh, Georgia's about to start their dynasty. No, I, I could easily see this as a one-off, and, uh, you know, congrats to Georgia, and maybe they don't play for another one for another 40 years. Talking about some other SEC news outside of the national championship on Monday, Auburn brings in and completes the trifecta, the trio of quarterbacks in the SEC going around, uh, sharing teams between LSU, Texas A&M, and Auburn. Zach Calzada transfers to the Tigers. Some Auburn folks not too happy about this. What's your take on the transfer? I'm not as down on it as other people. I mean, I thought Calzada had some nice moments this year. He wasn't supposed to play this year. I mean, he was supposed to be sitting on the bench, backing up Haynes King, holding a clipboard and learning. He was thrown into the fire. And obviously, you know, the the, the peak, the, the best moment of the year was him winning the, the Alabama game. And he made some really good throws in that game. But – I would just say this. It's it's the Austin Davis show now. If this is who Austin Davis, he looked at all the guys in the transfer portal. They've communicated to people. And this is the guy that he sold on that, that can be the true competition with uh, Demetrius Davis and, and uh, T.J. Finley. Then so be it. You know, uh, this, this, then, then they must have saw something in this kid that they really like. But I'm not as down on him. Look, he, he obviously had some bad games this year. Don't get me wrong, but... I think, uh, you know, I think if Austin Davis is sold that this is the guy he can develop and coach up. And, again, you know, Jimbo Fisher is, has been the – Chris, do we still have you? I think we might have lost Chris. Chris, you still there? The ball a lot. We're going to go I formation. We're going to throw it to Anias Smith, who's, a, a you know, running back playing wide receiver, and Jalen Watermeyer. I, I feel like – and I know the receiver room is a little bit in flux right now in Auburn, but I feel like – you're going to have better receivers at Auburn than you had at, uh, at Texas A&M. Looking at LSU with Derek Stingley announcing that he's headed to the NFL draft, this comes as no surprise, but you look at LSU and you see so much talent has left the program. They lost their quarterback. They lost their top two cornerbacks. They've lost receivers. I'm curious where you think LSU stands going into the first year under Brian Kelly. Yeah, it, it's going to be a tough year, but – Miles Brennan coming back helps solve one big question mark. Um, you know, Miles Brennan, when he was healthy and starting for LSU, put up some really good games. I mean, you know, the big he the, the big problem with him that year after they won the championship was, oh, can he replicate Joe Burrow? You go back and look at some of those games, he was throwing for 300, 400 yards in those games and, and running the offense and executing it. LSU's still going to have a wealth of talent at wide receiver. It sounds like Keyshawn Booty will be back. 
they're going to have to retool the offensive line, but they've already got some kids coming in through the transfer portal. Uh, one kid from, from uh, FIU, I believe, is one of the top uh, transfer alignment out there. So they're going to have to retool. They're going to have to figure this thing out really quickly. But I think the Miles Brennan returning is at least going to make it. You know, I think LSU maybe has a chance, let's say, seven, maybe best eight wins next year. Whereas if they didn't have Brennan and they were having a start of true freshman quarterback out there, I would say, you know, maybe six wins, six and six would be their, their ceiling next year. But uh, I think they'll have a chance to be a little bit better. We just don't know. It's a whole lot of new. You know, you're bringing in Mike Denbrock, who's the OC from Cincinnati, who seemed to do a pretty good job there these last two years with uh, Desmond Ritter. You're bringing in Matt House, who, you know, a couple of years ago was a pretty good defensive coordinator at Kentucky. And he's been in the NFL the last couple of years. Maybe he'll bring some wrinkles from the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll see. But, you know, it's, it's people that don't paper. You look at it and you say, yeah, these are good hires. And obviously, Brian Kelly, everywhere he's been, the guy has won. Uh, we like to act like, oh, winning at Notre Dame was easy. Yeah, winning 10 games a year at Notre Dame. Well, if it was so easy, why didn't Charlie Weiss do it? Why didn't Tyrone Willingham do it? Why didn't any of the guys before him do it at Notre Dame? I, I think he's a great coach, and he realized he was never going to get through and win a title at Notre Dame. At LSU, he will have better talent. Uh, it just is. You're, you're getting better, more five-stars, four-stars at LSU than you had at Notre Dame. You got less academic standards at LSU, and I say that probably – displaying my diploma from LSU. That it's not as it's not as hard as Notre Dame academically, but yeah, I just think uh, I think he's got a better chance to win a title there. And if history says anything, Les Miles did it, and Ogeron did it, Nick Saban did it, all within their first four years, I would say there's a pretty good chance Brian Kelly breaks through and wins the championship, you know, at some point within his first four years at LSU. Chris, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us here today. Tell everybody where they can find all your great content. Yeah, Locked on SEC is the easiest way. You're just wherever you get your podcast, just search for uh, Locked on SEC. We're going to have a ton of uh, interviews coming up here in the next couple of weeks with some guys that are uh, leaving the SEC. We'll be live from the Senior Bowl, getting some interviews with a lot of the guys that are there, the SEC guys. So it's going to be a lot of fun as we transition into the, uh, the off season. But uh, as you guys know, with SEC football, there, there is no off season anymore. It's 365. That's right, and I can't wait till they expand the playoff. Then there's only like a month and a half between uh, the end of the season and uh, spring games. So it'll be right back around the corner. Chris, we appreciate it, my man. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. That was Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC here with us for the Friday edition of the show, talking about the national championship game with us, as well as some of the other news going around in the SEC, such as Zach Calzana transferring to Auburn, Derek Stingley headed to the NFL draft. So much going on, even though the season is coming to its waning end. One more football game on Monday. Wrapping up the first hour of the Friday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open during the commercial breaks. Call us, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Who do you think, if you're an Auburn fan, who do you think you should be rooting for in the national championship on Monday? Before we get out of here for hour number one, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. 
Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. A new season of Undercover Boss is on CBS at 7 p.m. New episodes of crime shows follow on CBS with Magnum P.I. at 8 and Blue Bloods at 9. Kevin Hart is one of the sharks in the Shark Tank with a new episode on ABC at 7 p.m. Movie selection for tonight, World War II film with Midway on AMC at 7 p.m. And live sports, let's take a look at the college basketball schedule for tonight. Marquette and Georgetown start things off in the Big East with a 5.30 tip on FS. Mid-major basketball is on at 6 p.m. Ivy League matchup between Brown and Harvard on ESPNU. Milwaukee and Detroit Mercy play on ESPN2. The NBA schedule has two games on ESPN. At 6.30 p.m., Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo clash with the Nets, hosting the Bucs. At 9, the Hawks make a cross-country trip to L.A. to play the Lakers. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. That was what's on TV tonight as we are back live here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Lone Soldier here in the studio today. So phone calls are coming in. Phone lines are blowing up. If you call in and we can't quite get to your call in that moment, we will be sure to get to you as soon as we get to a commercial break. So keep trying us. Number to call 334-321-1390. Going to head to the phone lines now. We've got Dan with us. Dan, how's it going? It's going okay. Um... You know, honestly, I'd love for both teams to lose because I hate both of them. But personally, I think I'd rather Alabama lose because I think the longer that they keep winning, the longer that Nick Saban will stay there. And I think if Alabama loses a couple years in a row with Nick's age and everything, I think it would get him closer to retiring. And, you know, whether Georgia wins one every 40 years or not, who cares? I mean, it really doesn't matter. It's not going to change anything. You know, they still recruit good. And, but once Alabama changes coaches, then anything can happen, you know, that can give us an, an, like a leg up on uh, trying to take the state back over. Dan, just quick question to you, and I completely respect that side of things. Georgia may very well not turn into a machine if they win the national championship, but how concerned are you that this natty could be the thing that ignites, that ignites it for Georgia? Because you look at how they're recruiting, they're recruiting just as well as Alabama is right now. The talent's going to be there. Sure, but what's going to change? They're still going to recruit good. They're still number one or two every year regardless, so it doesn't even really matter. I mean, how much better can it get? I'm just concerned that they finally – So whether they win it or not. I'm concerned that they finally break through, and this has been the one thing that's been holding them back from doing it on a more regular basis. Yeah, but, you know, Alabama is our our arch rival. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't want to see them winning for the next ten years in a row, uh, you know – Nick Saban might stay till he's 80 if he wins every year, but if he starts losing, I think he's quickly, you know, heading out the door. To so, be fair, though, I mean, he's lost championships before, and he's found a way to come back like he is this year with a chance to win it and last year winning it. I mean, uh, he's lost and he hasn't gone anywhere in the past. Uh, there's been more parity, I think, in the last five, six years in terms of national championship winners than there were in the first five years of his tenure. But um, I, I definitely am. it's a lot to mull over. I'm afraid of Georgia doing something similar to what Alabama is doing right now after Nick Saban leaves. Yeah, but they already are. But but see, they would be the state school at Georgia, and we could become the top school in Alabama if we we get a new coach next door. (laughs) That is possible. As long as Nick's there, there, we're stuck with him, and we're stuck having to deal with that. So, anyway, appreciate it, guys. Appreciate it, Dan.
That was Dan on the line with us here in hour number one. Going to head back to the phone lines again, and now we have Mark with us. Mark, able to get you in here before the end of hour number one. What's going on? Oh, well, I was just going to make a comment. I'll, I'll, I'm rooting for a sink, giant sinkhole Monday night. <laughs> As are a lot of folks. I don't know. I don't know if we should. I don't know whether to pull for North Korea or China. I don't know. <laughs> that's and I get that. That's that's the vibe for a lot of Auburn fans. And when I was talking about this earlier, I said I think Auburn fans should root for Alabama because what's one more to the trophy case? Whereas one more to the trophy case for Georgia could completely change the status quo of everything. And I don't know if that's a good thing. I just don't know. I, I, I just I do know one thing. I will not be. I, I'm not going to watch it. I just I I can't pull for either one i just i can't stand to watch either one of them win it because one of them will uh any any ideas on netflix anybody (laughs) (laughs) that's for hey that's all i wanted new season of cobra kai came out and uh the the first three were really good so if you haven't watched that and you liked karate kid growing up that that's a good that's a good series i think i'll take that Uh, yeah i think i'll do that (laughs) sounds good mark we appreciate the call Hey, thanks for working me in y'all have a great day you too that was Mark on the line with us. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Call us during the commercial breaks. We want to hear from you. Who will you be rooting for at the national championship on Monday? I'm receiving some disagreement from folks, and that's okay. I love the discussion. And we want to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Starting off hour number two with making headlines coming up. Nick Eason officially headed to Clemson as defensive line coach. We'll be back. the line live on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm in birmingham and silicaga and in auburn on espn 1067 or online on fox sports 983.com and espnau.com you are on the line with noah gardner and lance daw join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Fun show so far today on the Friday edition. If you missed any of it, go and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. A big thank you to Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC podcast for joining us back there in hour number one. And then in hour number two, we'll have Jordan Hill of the Opelika Auburn News joining us at 3.30 to talk all things Auburn football as well as the national championship and things going on in the high school realm as well as another Friday night of high school basketball gets going in the Auburn Opelika area. We're going to start off hour number two at the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. Phone lines are open during the commercial breaks and we've got adam on the line with us adam how's it going first of all thanks for taking my call i did not expect to get through my first time caller i fully expected a busy signal for the first 10 tries but (laughs) (laughs) i got i got through in the first time and but i heard you were asking who are we pulling for alabama or georgia right that's right well i'm an auburn fan been an auburn fan since i moved to auburn in 1970 and uh my family, my parents had six kids. We were split down the middle. 
both my parents were Bama fans, and two of my, my two sisters were Bama fans, and my three brothers and I were Auburn fans. Now, during the Doug Barfield days, one of my brothers did defect, but he came back. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, um, <clears throat> I got to pull for Alabama, and here's why. They represent the state, you know? And like I said, I'm, I come from a family that's right down the middle as far as which one we pull for. So my parents always pull for Auburn except when they played Alabama, so I grew up pulling for Alabama except when they play Auburn. Another time I pull for the team that's playing Alabama is if Alabama loses, it helps Auburn, you know. Anything that helps Auburn, I'm going to pull for. But after that, i got to pull for Bama. And, I, I, you know, Nick Saban, Bama got lucky, I think, because he did bad in the Miami Dolphins. And uh, so he left there, and he came to Bama. He could have just as easy, you know, if Auburn had needed a coach, he could have come to Auburn. That would have been great. He's a good coach. i got a lot of respect for him. And, but, you know, we've had coaches in the past that know how to beat Nick Saban, Tommy Tuberville, um, Gus Malzahn, and we let him go. I hope Harson's going to be one of those that know how to beat Nick Saban. He did a good job, came real close this year of this season. So let's see what happens in the future. But, yeah, I'm going to have to bite my tongue and pull for Ballon Monday night. <laughs> Appreciate it, Adam. Thanks for the call. All right. That was Adam on the line with us. And you want to know what? I don't disagree with him too much there. Now, I don't have any family ties to Alabama. So that doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't factor into my decision. But I understand for a lot of people in this state, that does factor in to their decision. And some of them will have the same sentiment that Adam does, and some of them will not. But I like what he said there about at the end about Auburn being able to ha- have a history of finding ways to beat Alabama on a semi-regular basis and finding ways to beat Nick Saban. Auburn has had coaches that have been able to do that. What's the history against Georgia? It's ugly. Let's just be honest. last 20 years has been really bad. I don't even remember the last time they won in Athens. Forgive me. It was in the mid-2000s, I know. But it's been, uh, it's been quite a little bit. And it's my belief that if Georgia wins this national championship, this could be the spark that ignites a machine. I don't think Alabama's going anywhere if they lose this national championship, and I don't think anything is added to their dynasty if they win it. But if Georgia wins, there's a lot added to to what they've got going on in Athens, and it makes things just a little bit tougher for Auburn. So I think Auburn fans should be wanting to root for Alabama in this one, but I know I've got a lot of disagreement there. We're going to go back to the phone lines again. Ty the Tiger with us now. Ty, how's it going? Pretty good, guy. How you doing, man? Doing real well. How you doing? Man, good. I'm, I'm all right. So I'm, I'm on the same side as you. I, I, I but I got a couple different reasons. Okay, so Go for it. I am pulling. I am going to pull for Alabama as much as it pains me. Um, I don't think another trophy in the case is going to hurt us. Um, again, I think the one in one, one since 1980. You know, um, in Georgia's case, I, you put another one in there. It, it could spark a fire, and um, you know, you're right. That could that could that could snowball that program into being a juggernaut. Um, I mean, of course, you know, Kirby learned from who? Nick Saban. So here's my thing. You know, I am I I, I am I, I hate when people say you know I don't mind rooting for the SEC as a whole. But against Alabama, I mean, I, I don't. I hope they lose their car keys, their girlfriend, especially the football game on Saturdays. Um, I don't want them to win anything. 
I'm, I, and again, I, it's not that it's not that I just hate Alabama that much, but it's sports. It's what it's supposed to be. It's fun. The New York Yankees um, don't root for the Boston Red Sox when they make it to the World Series, but bring it back home for the American League. That's not what happens. The Dallas Cowboys don't root for the Washington Redskins and vice versa. Fans are petty. It, it, it's okay. It is, and that's what fandom is, and that's what being a fanatic. Of, that's what, I mean. That's what you are. You, if you're, that's the abbreviation fans. You're a fanatic, and that's what that is. It's fun. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't get it twisted. I don't go crazy with it. But again, I don't want Bama to win anything. I think uh, the only person Bama could ever play, and I could root for them, is like the last dude said. Whenever it helps Auburn, I will. If, if you know, if Alabama beating LSU helps Auburn, then I'm I'm rooting for Alabama because it helps Auburn. But other than that, I mean, they'd have to play ISIS for me to reform. I mean, <laughs> literally. But um, but I'm with you because I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know if it's back-to-back. I don't know if it's back-to-back-to-back. But whatever it takes for Nick Saban to be satisfied with the amount of championships he's won and to get the hell on from Tuscaloosa, that's what I'm down for. I mean, yeah. the sooner that happens, the sooner the playing field it, it like it, it levels out again, you know. Bama fans, are, every time you put, you talk about Nick Saban retiring, what do they say? Oh, we're going to get Dabo, or we're going to get this person, or we're going to go get Kirby, or whoever they want to say they're going to get. It don't matter. It's not going to be Nick Saban. It's not going to be the same, and and it's not going to continue the way it this four, fifteen years have been. It's just not. I don't care who they get. It's not. And that's my opinion, but, I mean, there's only been one Paul Bear Bryant and there's only been one Nick Saban. Alabama's just been really, really lucky to get both of them. Um, now, that being said, you're right. Georgia could get that win, and it could go to the next level for them, and they could become a little juggernaut. Now, that's nothing I don't think that Alabama's been in the last years, but they could they could have a little force. Um, yeah, for, you know, for like four or five seasons, they could be a real problem. Exactly, exactly. They just got to keep their nose clean. Now with the NIL, I think it's a little bit more opened up and, and people don't have to keep their noses as clean. Um, and it's making it, – that's to me, is making a, a, a better playing field right now for everybody as well. And it's easier um, to beat one than to beat two in your own backyard, right? Like why, why allow Georgia yeah. to reach that level when, you know, from, from a pettiness standpoint, if we want to talk about petty – Look, Alabama's got 16, 17 national championships on Auburn right now. Georgia doesn't. Right. So when Saturdays roll around next year and Georgia's coming here, uh, Auburn fans can no longer make fun of the Georgia trophy case if they win this thing on Monday. Exactly. And, and again, nobody's ever going to be Nick Saban, but we don't want Georgia to be there either. I mean, it's one thing for our, our number one rival to be that good for so long. We don't want our number two rival to take it over. We want to take it over. Yep. You know what I mean? So that's me. Um, second thing I wanted to tell you about is I, I don't I'm I'm I don't I'm not I'm not sold on Caleb Williams coming to Auburn or I don't think we need him. I don't think he's part of what Harson's trying to do. I like our quarterback room. I think I think the upgrade, I think Calzada, hey, talking about NIL, I got the perfect NIL deal. <laughs> uh one of my buddies texted me for uh for the new Q B man. You gotta get Mella Mushroom and you gotta get a Calzana uh, you know, promotion going on with the pizza at Mellow Mushroom. That'd be awesome. So. Yeah, there's definitely a few pizza places in town that uh can find a way to capitalize on that for sure with the calzones. You're right, 100. That's right, man. And and well, I look, don't, man. Go ahead. 
I'm sorry. I was just going to say last thing. Um, man, I'm just excited for tomorrow's game. You know, in my eyes, Auburn football is over, so I don't really care about the national championship. I'm going to watch it. But man, I am. I am. This 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 basketball team is amazing, and it's going to be awesome. So, all right, man. Good to talk to you. Appreciate it, Ty. Hope you have a good weekend. That was Ty the Tiger with me. I'm with him. Basketball season's fun right now. I said earlier that I think Auburn fans should be confident of a double-digit point of victory in Auburn Arena tomorrow. Over under 15, what's your take? Auburn winning by 15, over under. What would you take on that one? And some people may think I'm being overly confident about that because this Florida team is talented and the SEC is deep, but Auburn's a different monster at home. And I think that this is a very good basketball team. And it's a very good matchup for Auburn. Florida's a, a, a little bit better of a version than South Carolina. They're marooned in the middle of the pack. A little bit better of a version than South Carolina. Not very good offense. They're just kind of mediocre on offense. Statistically outside the 200s in certain offensive categories like team field goal percentage. Not a good place to be. Not a good place to be, especially when you're playing as nasty of a defense as Auburn has. And then your defense, it's just not going to travel as well to Auburn Arena as it might to other places because Auburn is a different beast inside Auburn Arena in terms of shooting the basketball. It all comes down to Auburn taking Florida seriously tomorrow. Do they have a stretch of five to six minutes where they allow Florida to get into it? Because Florida is better than South Carolina. I don't think by a ton, but they are more talented. They've recruited better. It is a little bit better of a team. But you look at the records. I mean, Florida's 9-4. South Carolina's 9-4. They did about the same things in non-conference play, except Florida has an atrocious loss to Texas Southern, of all teams, who hadn't won a game at the time. I think Auburn could blow this team out. I'm setting it at 15 in my mind because that's what they've done in the previous two. They beat LSU by 15. Beat South Carolina by 15 on the road. Why couldn't they do more here at home against Florida? It's not that preposterous. I really enjoyed that call from Ty talking about the quarterback room as well. Caleb Williams, one of our headlines yesterday, and we're about to get to making headlines here in this first segment of hour number two. Caleb Williams released his top five yesterday. Auburn's not in it. Now, I think Auburn is probably still looking in the transfer portal for someone other than Zach Calzada, not that they're not excited about Zach Calzada. I'm just thinking they're just still doing their due diligence in the portal. But there is definitely excitement about Zach Calzada inside the program. And I think Auburn fans should be, should be pleased. So all the folks out there that are upset or whining about this on social media, the guys see it. Recruits see it. Players see it. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. I, I don't think it is. I think people should be excited and welcoming of Zach Calzada. Let's get into making headlines. Making headlines. All right, starting off hour number two, as we typically do, making headlines. Nick Eason is officially headed to Clemson as defensive line coach. That is the major headline today in terms of the Auburn sphere because this was being reported earlier in the week. Now it is officially official and here, here's let's just break this down. So I've got three questions to analyze what's going on with Nick Eason, Auburn's former defensive line coach, now headed to Clemson. First of all, what is happening here? Why the move? 
Clemson is his alma mater. He was a successful defensive lineman there, obviously played in the NFL for a long time. This is not a slight against Auburn. I think he thoroughly enjoyed his time here at Auburn, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the culture and the coaching staff. So don't even bring that narrative up. I think he just wants to go home. Not that he was homesick, but an opportunity came along for him to coach at his alma mater. And oh, by the way, that team has the players that could play in a college football playoff and win a national championship. So it makes a lot of sense, and I think Auburn fans should take this as a huge compliment to what Auburn and Nick Eason did with the defensive line this is a compliment from Clemson when someone one of the big dogs wants to come and take one of your coaches and this is a chance for him to go back home or it's a chance for him to possibly achieve higher aspirations in the coaching world it makes sense so I don't think there's anything negative at play here what is Auburn losing in Nick Eason and how will they attempt to replace it they're losing a solid recruiter that helped Auburn transition from a four-man front to a three-man front. And when they first released Nick Eason as the hire, that was in the press release. That was in the press release that he helped Tennessee, the Titans, transition from a four-man front to a three to a three-man front. So he really helped usher the scheme along a little bit. Auburn was so much better of a run-stopping team this year than they were last year. It's not even funny. And Nick Eason was a big part of that. He has a solid track record with teaching technique, considering his NFL background, and once again, what happened with run stopping this year. He had a lot of energy, and he helped Auburn land some studs in recruiting. He had a good personality. No experience in recruiting, but he had a good personality, and it helped him sell the program. So Auburn's losing several things on several fronts for them. So, I mean, it's not a good thing for Auburn by any means, but I don't see any reason why Auburn can't find someone to fill the role and do exactly the same things that Nick Eason, that it, that Nick Eason was doing. So... Looking at what Auburn will be looking for. That's the last question about this to answer for folks about this situation. What will Auburn be looking for in their new defensive line coach? Auburn is going to be looking for someone with a similar type of personality, more than likely from the NFL or has some type of NFL experience. Being able to teach technique is extremely important to this coaching staff and at the position coach level. So the NFL is a great place to go for that because they don't have to to fool around with recruiting. All they have to do is worry about position coaches in the NFL. All they have to do is worry about coaching technique. That is their job. And they typically are at the highest level of their game if they are doing that in the NFL. Of course, recruiting is still important, but don't worry if Auburn hires somebody that doesn't have recruiting experience in the Southeast or any college recruiting experience, period, because Nick Eason had zero experience recruiting, and he landed the number one overall JUCO recruit in the country. He did really well recruiting. He had a personality that fit the job. He was a great salesman of the Auburn program. Recruiting experience to me is not as important as getting someone with a personality fit for this job, from a recruiting standpoint at least. Auburn fans aren't used to these types of hires. The old way of doing things was let's hire some guy with SEC experience or some type of connection to Auburn, even if they were a mediocre coach. That's the old way of doing things. And guess what it produced? It produced mediocrity. I don't think the defensive line was mediocre this year. I thought it was good, and I think it set Auburn up for success in the future, going into next year with all those guys coming back. Auburn's going to have one of the better defensive lines, a top four defensive line unit potentially, in the SEC next year. And Nick Eason had a big part to do with that. So this is a bummer to lose him, but I think Auburn's going to attempt to find someone very similar to Nick Eason, and they may be looking at the NFL for it. Last headline here, LSU's Derek Stingley announced that he is headed to the NFL Draft. This is a big loss for LSU, but it comes as expected. According to Mel Kuyper, he is a top five pick in the NFL draft. He is cornerback number one, despite the fact that the last two seasons he has not gotten an interception. His freshman year, he got six. 
He has not gotten an interception six since 2019. Now, granted, a lot of that maybe is because nobody's throwing his way. He's still a very good cornerback. There's a lot to like here. I completely understand him being cornerback number one. This is more about what LSU is losing going into next year. They've lost both of their cornerbacks, Derek Stingley and Eli Ricks. They're going to be losing several players on the offensive side of the ball to the NFL draft or graduation or transfer. They're 19th in the country in recruiting. There's not a whole lot of high school seniors left out there that can change things for them. Auburn stole a lot of their recruits. Now, Brian Kelly's a very good head coach, but he was not without, at times, at Notre Dame, especially in the first four or five years of his tenure there, he was not without some lean seasons. And LSU, don't put it out of the realm of possibility that LSU for two straight years is at 500 at the end of the season. They had a losing season this year, went 5-5 five and five the year before. Don't tell me that it's not possible. Everyone was like, oh, no way, LSU's got too much talent. They're going to bounce back and win nine games this year. And I said, no. And guess what? They went 6-6. Six and six. I think they're lacking so much talent that there are a few teams in the SEC. Now, granted, Transfer Portal can change things in a hurry. And the Transfer Portal is just now getting started. So just as I have said with Auburn fans about Auburn, don't write Auburn off because they're still going to go and get guys in the Transfer Portal to help rebuild their offense. LSU is going to attempt to do the same thing. And they have years of recruiting class of talent below them, of, of the guys that are leaving that they can work with. And Brian Kelly is a very good head coach. But next year could be a lean year for LSU. It could also be the type of year where they win eight, nine games. I don't think they're going to be in contention for the SEC championship out of the West, but they should see some level of improvement next year. But it is going to be a tough year. I I don't know if I would expect them to get back to nine or ten wins, especially with A&M reloading and the transfer portal and in recruiting. I, I just Auburn, I think, is going to be better next year. I don't know how much better. But with LSU coming to Auburn, I'm still I I am holding on to hope that Auburn is going to find a way to rebuild this offense of the transfer portal because they've done a good job of recruiting at this point. That Auburn's going to win at home against LSU next year. Auburn's had a good a good run against LSU at home recently, so I don't see why that's not possible for Auburn to keep that trend going this next year when both of those teams are kind of in similar footing going into next season. Very similar footing. And I don't want to get too far ahead into next season because it's very hard to predict why all of these rosters are so incomplete at at this moment and everybody's still in the transfer portal. So there's still a lot of shaking out to go. But LSU, I I don't know if they're going to get past eight wins next year, at least at at this point, unless, you know, a Caleb Williams or something like that goes to LSU. And that still will be a task in this league, regardless of how good Caleb Williams may be. He's going to need some help. So that's it for making headlines. When we come back, we're going to take a look at all of the college basketball games, the tantalizing schedule, the first major full Saturday of the college basketball season. Back on all the line on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Really good show so far today. Appreciate all the phone calls that we've had today. Dan, Mark, Adam, Ty the Tiger. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390. Rockin' Solo here in the studio. I want to hear from you. Call during the commercial breaks. We will take your call just as we have now with Matt on the line with us. Matt, how's it going? Going well, man. Uh, How come you're solo in the studio? Well, I I don't know how recent it has been that you've been listening, but uh, Lance recently took another opportunity and uh, I, I'm really excited for all the cool things that he's got going on with, with the Auburn Wire, the LSU Wire, and Locked On Kentucky. Um, it's not often that you get to you know do a show with 
one of your best friends, and um, I, I really enjoyed doing the show with him, but I'm also really happy for the, the things that he's got going on right now, too. So we're still searching uh, for we, – we've, we've got some folks that we're talking to and whatnot, but, uh, you know, holidays and the start of a year, uh, it, it is – you know, it's hard to talk to folks during that time of year with everybody being out of town. So that, that's, that's what's kind of going on with the show right now. We'll definitely have news, though, in the next week and a half or so. Gotcha. That's good news. Uh, what, what's your uh, your opinions on Zach Cozad? In my opinion, is it's a better situation than we would be without him. And um, I guess, what do you think about Kobe Hudson losing our uh, primary receiver? We're definitely going to have to address the receiver position in during the offseason. And don't we have to have like don't transfers have to get here before school starts in a few days? Uh, yes. Um, so going back to your first question, um, about Zach Calzada, I'm with you. I, I, that was one of my first points that I made about it. It, It's definitely better than what is in the room right now. It improves the quarterback room and regardless of who's starting, whether it's Calzada or TJ Finley, Auburn's going to have the best backup in the Southeastern conference aside from JT Daniels, but JT Daniels will probably be the starter at Georgia next year, barring one of those five stars that they have on the bench right now don't become the starter. So, I mean, you break it down, like Auburn's quarterback room is going to be insanely deep compared to everybody else. Like both of their start, both of their quarterbacks are going to have starting experience. The question is, where does the starter rank compared to everybody else? And I think everybody's opinion tied to this transfer is, um, is tied to how they trust this coaching staff's ability to develop quarterbacks. And the reality is Auburn fans have been scarred with that term, quarterback development, over the last 15 years or maybe ever all time. And so I think that's why so many people are kind of like put off by this. But I think people should welcome him. I think folks should be positive about it. And this is a good move for Auburn. Definitely. Um, yeah, what do you th- don't, don't transfers have to be in by the start of classes? Uh, I guess it kind of depends on when you're transferring, right? Like if he um, if he wants to be here by the spring game, yeah. <laughs> but if he's not, you know, like Demetrius Robertson, he came um, during fall camp. You know what I mean? And so I, I guess it depends on what semester. But I, I would imagine so. I'm not I'm not actually sure on that. I would need to go and check on that. But I would imagine you are correct. Gotcha. Do you have any um, receivers that you think would consider coming to Auburn? You know, the receiver part of the transfer portal has been quieter than anything else. Auburn's offering a lot of different offensive linemen, and they have obviously found their quarterback in the transfer portal, I think, and they may even be looking at other quarterbacks as well, considering the Texas transfer, Casey Thompson, had Auburn in his top five, reportedly, according to his father. Uh, that's what he told The Athletic. But the um, the receiver portal, I, I, I think there's only been one guy that I've seen that Auburn's offered, and they may have offered more, but... The one that comes to mind is the James Madison transfer, Antoine Wells. I uh, hope I've gotten that name correctly because, uh, like I said, there just hasn't been a whole lot of conversation about Auburn looking for receivers, and there's a lot out there. I'm sure that there are talking to a lot of them. Uh, Wells was very productive at James Madison. I don't know if he would be a number one here at Auburn. It's so hard to calculate how a guy will transition from the FCS to the to the SEC, but he was productive, and all I care about is can you catch the football? Uh, we can teach you route running. We can teach you other things. Can you catch the football? Because there's been a lot of drops here. I think you look on pro football focus, most of the receivers for Auburn this year, I, I don't know if there was a single receiver in that top three group of Shedrick Jackson, Demetrius Robertson, and Kobe Hudson that had a higher reception rate of uh, higher than 55%. That means they were only bringing that 55% of their passes or less that was targeted to them. That's not good enough. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you.
Appreciate it, Matt. That was Matt on the line with us. If you want to call in, call in during the commercial breaks, 334-321-1390. I wrote an article on RadioAlabamaSports.net yesterday that was talking about what is left in Auburn's receiver room after the departure of Kobe Hudson. What does Auburn's receiver room look like with the departure of Kobe Hudson? That's what it's titled. Go and find it on RadioAlabamaSports.net radioalabamasports.net and I break down what Auburn is losing this year what they're returning and the incoming recruits and what that means for the depth chart at this moment but the reality is and Matt hits on it here's the thing what may have been a want and I think Auburn really wanted to go and get a receiver in the transfer portal before Kobe Hudson left but I don't know if it was exactly a need because of how many receivers you would have had on the roster next year if Kobe Hudson hadn't left. You would have had 10. Right now you have nine. You would have had 10 if he was there. I mean, there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of young talent, just not a whole lot of experience. But the reality is it's gone from want to need. They need now at least one. And they need to be productive. And can they catch the football? That, that is what it comes down to. Can you catch the football? No stone hands. We'll be back. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Last 25 minutes or so of the Friday edition of On the Line. Last 25 minutes or so of another week of On the Line. The first week of the new year here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Headed to the phone lines again and joining us as promised, Jordan Hill of the Opelika Auburn News with us. Jordan, appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me. Of course, Jordan, let's start with Auburn University Athletics, and then we will head to the prep scene as well, because I know it's another exciting Friday night of high school basketball in the area. But with some of the latest stuff going on with Auburn, what is your take on Zach Calzada transferring to the Plains, whereas a lot of Auburn fans, I'm sure you've seen on social media, um, I'm trying to find a good word for this. They're they're not pleased and uh, maybe a little ungrateful. Yeah, yeah, I'll be really interested to see how it plays out with Zach. I mean, you know, you do have to give him credit. He, he did beat Alabama. He's the only quarterback that beat Alabama uh, in the 2021 season. Uh, you know, I think it may be a situation where they feel like Zach is a guy that with Brian Harson, with Austin Davis coming in as the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator, that there's something there that maybe they can get more out of him than, you know, we saw at Texas A&M because he played really well in that Alabama game. And, you know, really past that, you know, was pretty so-so. You know, I saw a lot of people, you know, compare him to Bo Nix with some of his completion percentages and and how some of his games went. So, yeah, and the thing that's very interesting to me, um, just based on what we've seen in in some of the talk around the program, a lot of people think they're not done uh, at quarterback. Now, there's rumors about Caleb Williams. You know, there's other guys in the portal as well. You know, we don't know if that's going to come to pass at all until something happens. Um, but yeah, I'm very intrigued. You know, I think Calzada coming in as it stands, I wouldn't say he's probably necessarily the shoe-in starter, but I mean, he would have a really good chance. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of understand uh, a little bit of, you know, concern or, or maybe second guessing. Um, but you know, Brian Harson's background's in quarterbacks and, and, you know, I feel like if there's a position you want to kind of give him a little leeway with, you know, maybe he thinks there's something there that, yeah, he can kind of polish up and, and get uh, Zach 
to a position where he can compete. Um, but I think at the very least, um, it's pretty good depth, you know, adding him. And uh, and we'll see, like I said, if, if he's the only quarterback they add through the portal this offseason. Talking about staff changes, Nick Eason officially officially going to Clemson now. Um, what what is your take on what Auburn is losing here and how they might try and replace Nick Eason on the staff? Yeah, you know, I think that's a considerable loss. I mean, from the few interactions we got to have with Nick Eason, he seemed like a, a coach that players really gravitated to, that players really liked. I know just locally, you know, like Caden Story, who's at Lynette, who's an Auburn commit, he really liked just the way Nick went about his business, the way that he coached the position, the way he got, you know, so much out of the position. And I think it helped, too, Auburn in the standpoint that you lost a really experienced guy in Rodney Garner from the Gus Malzahn staff, and you replaced him with a guy that played in the NFL that won a Super Bowl. You know, that guy you could show in recruiting, hey, if you guys want to play at the next level, which so many of these guys want to do, you know, we got a guy that knows what it takes. And I think that's a big loss. I think it makes a lot of sense from his perspective. Going back to his alma mater, he's getting a pay raise. You kind of get that. It'll be interesting to see what happens next, where Auburn turns. You know, Adam Schefter, I guess that was yesterday, reported that Brinson Buckner, who's a Columbus native, um, that uh, they've been kind of eyeing him. Now, if he would leave the Cardinals and the NFL to go to Auburn, uh, that remains to be seen. But if you do pull that off, I'd say that's a, a pretty good coup for Brian Harson. I think that would be a really nice hire and would definitely help after you lose a guy that I think was really well thought of in Nick Eason. Some other transfer portal news for Auburn. Local Auburn high school product, Trey Elston, entering the transfer portal with two years of eligibility left. This is a great story, a great walk-on that had found a way to play over several scholarship players. What's the latest going on here with Elston? Yeah, I'll be really intrigued to to see where Trey lands. You know, he was kind of a feel-good story coming out of spring ball. Uh, He played really well, stepped up in at safety. Then as the season went on, he was able to get in the mix a little bit. Uh, A guy that, you know, really I think did it the right way, that tried to make the most of his opportunity. You know, there was some excitement around him from the perspective of, hey, a new coaching staff, a chance to prove himself. So, yeah, I'm not really sure as far as expectations or if, yeah, he, he might look at like a Troy or if he wants to go FCS. Um, but I think he's certainly earned his dues as an Auburn Tiger and, and really grinded it out and tried to make the most of the opportunity. And I think all things considered, you'd say he did. I mean, that he was able to get in the mix, like you said. Uh, again, played really well in that spring game. And uh, is going to try to make the most of, of the amount of uh, eligibility he's got left elsewhere. Auburn basketball with a home game against Florida tomorrow, 7 p.m. tip in Auburn Arena. This seems like a little bit better of the uh, of the same South Carolina team we saw earlier this week. How confident are you in Auburn being able to continue to rattle off a double-digit win here in the SEC? I think they're in a good position. You know, I think this Florida team looked pretty good in the first half against Alabama and just really couldn't keep it up in the second half. I think that Auburn should be in pretty good shape, and I think that Bruce Pearl and company kind of understand that this is a good opportunity being back home because uh, you had the South Carolina game, and then they play Alabama next week, and then Ole Miss all on the road. I think they want to make the most of this chance to show out. Again, I'm sure Auburn Arena is going to be loud and, and packed. And, uh, yeah, I think that they should be in pretty good shape. I think they can stretch that winning streak to 11. But I think it'll be, you know, a pretty good matchup. You know, Bruce talked about it a little bit on Thursday. Uh, you know, they're going to have to show up ready to play and, you know, he kind of challenged uh, Walker Kessler, Dylan Cardwell with, with the matchup. 
Um, but I think they should be in good shape. I think they should be able to get another home win, stay undefeated in Auburn Arena this year, and then turn their attention to some, some pretty challenging road games coming up next week, starting with Alabama. Turning our attention now to the prep scene in the area as we're speaking with Jordan Hill of the Opelika Auburn News. Where's the story tonight in high school basketball? Yeah, I mean, I'm really interested to see Auburn and Lochapoca. You know, that should be a pretty good uh, scene. Uh, Auburn looked really good. I, I got a chance to watch them in person uh, when they played Opelika on Monday. And both teams, the girls and the boys, did a very good job of just taking care of business, of, of beating, which I, I think they were the more talented teams. And they did a good job of kind of showing that. And then really the other game for me locally uh, is one of the big rivalries, and it's uh, Lynette at Lafette. Uh, I think those are two teams in Class 2A that will probably be playing for it, uh, you know, as we get closer and closer to the trip to Birmingham. Uh, those are two really talented teams. Lynette's going to have to be going without Caden Story. He's in San Antonio, Texas for the All-America Bowl, so that's a pretty big loss for Lynette. But uh, that rivalry game's always fun to attend, and I'm expecting tonight's game to be really, really interesting. Speaking of Caden Story, which I meant to ask this when we were talking Auburn football when it, when his name came up the first time, where is that recruitment at right now after the decision date was pushed back or the or the signature date was pushed back to February? Yeah, it's something I'm really intrigued about. I had a chance to talk to someone close uh, to Caden and his family just a few days ago just about that situation. And from what I can gather, I mean, it still seems like all systems are go, that he still plans to sign with Auburn. So I don't know, you know, if it was a situation, you know, his father, Clifford Story, is a longtime head coach. He may have just told Caden, hey, just wait. I mean, he, you know, he understands as well as anybody – uh, that, you know, there are staff, like like we just talked about, Nick Easton has left, and if for whatever reason, if that might have been a concern or something like that, you know, had Caden already signed, I mean, there's uh, a lot of hoops he would have to jump through if, for whatever reason, he decided he didn't want to go. Um, so, obviously, he was able to wait and, you know, maybe fill out if there are other uh, opportunities he want to pursue. But, yeah, I mean, just based on what I've heard and what I've seen, I expect, Caden is still signed with Auburn, but, you know, recruiting can be crazy. If someone swoops in there in the last minute or, you know, someone pulls off something we're not really expecting, um, that'll kind of add a little bit of a flair to, to what we're used to on that February signing day. But, but again, just based on what I've heard and, and sort of the expectation I had back when Caden committed, you know, I think he likes the idea of having a chance to play locally, play for an SEC team. I know it's a little bit weird with his older brother Christian at Alabama, but I don't think that really bothers Caden. I think he wants to kind of make his own path, and he'll have an opportunity to do that if he winds up going to Auburn. Speaking with Jordan Hill of the Opelika Auburn News, last question to you before we let you get out of here. Still talking about the prep scene. Of course, it's a pretty competitive area on the high school front, and I haven't really gotten to ask anybody about this. What was your take on the 7A region here locally that just had a massive influx of talented teams coming into it? I think it's going to be really exciting. And just for me as a fan of watching good football, I'm so happy Opelika and Auburn are in the same region again. They haven't been in the same region for about nine years, if I'm remembering correctly. Opelika has been in 6A and Auburn has moved up to 7A. I think it's going to be really exciting. I think it's going to be breakneck as far as trying to make the playoffs. I mean, four teams coming out of a nine-team region trying to find playoff spots. It's going to be tough. I mean, you know, you think that, most years, obviously, you know, there's going to be teams that kind of dip here or there. 
Uh, most years, you would think Central, Auburn, and Opelika would have those three seeds. Uh, there's a, a lot of teams in that mix that you know could very well get that fourth seed, um, and I think it's going to be really exciting. You know, I, I do kind of hate that that means less non-region games, but uh, I think it's going to be really exciting. It's good for the area and the fact that so many of these teams are, are really local. Uh, along with the teams that I mentioned, you got Smith Station and Lee Montgomery, not that far away. Um, I really like it. I think it's going to be fun. And I'm sure that the coaches probably haven't slept well since they saw what the region <laughs> and what their schedule is going to look like. But uh, I think it's going to make some really exciting football in the fall. I believe six of the nine teams in the region made the playoffs last year, whether it was in 6A or 7A. I mean, you're right, it's loaded. And talk about an Enterprise. That, that, d- did I hear recently that they had a coaching change at Enterprise? Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. Rick Darlington left. He's going back to Florida, so they're looking to make a hire there. And, and that's a team that's been right there in the mix. And if I remember right last year, I think they might have beat Auburn. I mean, they're a pretty good team. So that would be a very interesting a hire to see who they wind up getting to, to fill that position. Yeah, and Enterprise won in the first round this year in the playoffs. So, I mean, it, it, you said it right. It's a breakneck. It is a nasty region. And those coaches, they probably did lose some sleep over it when they saw it. But, um, you know, it, it's going to be fun because a lot of those teams, whether they played in in the same region or if they played them in non-region games, uh, now, there's some, now there's some skin in the game because it's about making the playoffs. It's going to add a little bit to it. Jordan Hill, we appreciate you joining us, my man. Tell everybody where they can find all your great content. For sure. You can go on Twitter at AUBlog or my Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill, and then go to our website, oanow.com. We've got all kinds of content. Got AU Gym coming up. Justin Lee's going to have uh, all the uh, stuff from that coming up. I believe that's tonight. And got the high school stuff, AU basketball, AU football news. We're all over it. Jordan, we appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good afternoon and weekend. All right, thanks so much. You too. That was Jordan Hill of the Opelika Auburn News joining us here on the Friday edition of On the Line. We come back to wrap it up on the other side of this break. Wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight before we wrap up the show. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. A new season of Undercover Boss is on CBS at 7 p.m. New episodes of crime shows follow on CBS with Magnum P.I. at 8 and Blue Bloods at 9. Kevin Hart is one of the sharks in the Shark Tank with a new episode on ABC at 7 p.m. Movie selection for tonight, World War II film with Midway on AMC at 7 p.m. And live sports, let's take a look at the college basketball schedule for tonight. Marquette and Georgetown start things off in the Big East with a 5.30 tip on FS. Mid-major basketball is on at 6 p.m. Ivy League matchup between Brown and Harvard on ESPNU. Milwaukee and Detroit Mercy play on ESPN2. The NBA schedule has two games on ESPN. At 6.30 p.m., Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo clash with the Nets, hosting the Bucs. At 9, the Hawks make a cross-country trip to L.A. to play the Lakers. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Back on On the Line live here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. We've got about five minutes left in the Friday edition of the show. Let's get into what's going on in college basketball. 
All right, looking at the college basketball schedule for this weekend, just getting everybody set for what's going to be happening. It's a pretty fun schedule. We got 10 games picked out for you guys today. Not making any picks today, but just letting everybody know what's going on. UConn at Seton Hall tomorrow at 11 a.m. on Fox. These are two excellent teams when it comes to playing defense. UConn's a little more efficient and unselfish when it comes to comparing these two teams. Averaging four more assists per game. Both teams are looking for a signature win in conference play in the Big East. Seton Hall has suffered two tough losses to Providence and Villanova. I still think they're top three. Virginia at North Carolina, 12 p.m. on ESPN. Virginia enters the game at 3-1 in the ACC, and North Carolina is 2-1 in the ACC. It's all about which one of these teams and which one of their own teams shows up because they've kind of been a tale of two stories. Virginia lost to Clemson by 17 on December 22nd and beat them by 10 on January 4th on the road. North Carolina beat Boston College by 26 but lost three days later to Notre Dame. So you can see kind of the differences between these two teams. It's not been the toughest of ACC schedules as of late, so there is an opportunity for one of these teams to get into a good position in the standings early on before the tough guys show up. Arkansas at Texas A&M, 12 p.m. on SEC Network. These are the two surprise teams of the SEC for very different reasons. Arkansas has lost four of its last five, while Texas A&M comes in quietly at 12-2 overall. Arkansas is looking to avoid going 0-3 in conference play, but can this struggling team play together against a stingy A&M defense? I think Arkansas is more talented, but this road trip, is it the road trip that helps Arkansas start to gel? Number 10, Michigan State at Michigan. This is at 1.30 p.m. on Fox. Throw the records out the window. This is a rivalry game in Ann Arbor. It could be exactly what this 7-6 Michigan team needs to jumpstart this season that has stalled as of late. Michigan has lost three of its last five games, including losses to Rutgers, UCF, and Minnesota. Despite at 13-2, with that kind of start, Sparty has been inconsistent with its performances. Only beat Northwestern the other day by six, and they were sloppy against High Point. There's opportunity for the upset if Michigan State doesn't come to play, and Michigan definitely feeling desperate right now. Number six, Kansas at number 25, Texas Tech at 3 p.m. on ESPN2. Kansas, one of the hottest teams in college basketball right now, but still only ranked sixth in the country compared to their record, which is 13-1. Currently on an eight-game winning streak. It wasn't a tough non-conference schedule by any means for you, uh, for KU, but this is a good litmus test for the Jayhawks. Texas Tech's defense is great, and so is Kansas's offense. The Red Raiders' offense has failed them against the better competition on their schedule. We're about to learn a lot about these two squads. Still in the Big 12, number 11, Iowa State at Oklahoma, 5 p.m. on ESPNU. Iowa State kind of snuck up on us, 13-1 this year, playing great defense. But do they have the offense to beat Oklahoma? Chance for Porter Moser to make a statement. Number 18, Tennessee at number 21, LSU, 5 p.m. on ESPN2. How does Tennessee's offense bounce back from two lackluster performances considering they're about to play an elite defense? It seems like a nightmare for each of these squads. Both teams play great defense still. I think Tennessee, from an offensive standpoint, they're a little bit more unselfish, move the ball around a little bit better. I do like the balls in this one. Miami at number two, Duke, 7 p.m. ACC Network. Talk about a day where teams can make a statement. Miami's 4-0 in the ACC. Only one loss this season. Can they topple Duke? We know Duke is excellent. Where is Miami among the ACC's best teams? Of course, Auburn at Florida tomorrow, another SEC game. Mississippi State at Ole Miss, 7.30 p.m. on SEC Network. 
Ole Miss's offense has failed them on many occasions this season. It did on Wednesday night against Tennessee in overtime, and it will on Saturday against Mississippi State more than likely. Seems like all of the new imported players for Mississippi State, all of the new transfers in Starkville, they're starting to play better as a team. This should be a fun game. And that was a look at all of the excellent basketball that is going to be on television tomorrow and that's just 10 games there's a lot better than that let's get into our final take final take we started the show today talking about who should Auburn fans root for in the national championship on Monday I can't find a single reason to pick Georgia that isn't based out of pettiness which College football's fun, and it's fun because fans can be petty towards their rivals. But still, there is a practical and pragmatic reason why Auburn fans should want Alabama to win on Monday. I understand not wanting to do this. I understand it's your biggest rival. But there's a real chance that Alabama losing this national championship they're still not going anywhere. And if they win it, nothing changes. The status quo remains the same. If Georgia wins it, well, the status quo could get a little wonky. All of a sudden, it becomes really difficult already to knock off Alabama, but now you've also got another national championship caliber team in your backyard. It could ignite a fire for the Georgia Bulldog organization. Just think back to when Alabama won their first national championship in the 2009 season. Let's say the drive never happens in the Iron Bowl. Alabama doesn't go to the Natty. Do they win one in their first four years under Nick Saban with Cam Newton in 2010? Then LSU in 2011? I don't know. I don't think so. That's why I think Auburn should be rooting for Alabama instead of Georgia because it could be the start of something big. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.